Hello, I'm Hamish and welcome to our first ever Engineers Without Borders Bristol podcast. Our mission here at EWB Bristol is to empower human development through engineering in Bristol and around the world. There are so many exciting engineering and sustainability related things going on in EWB and in the city and we're going to bring them all to you right here. Today I'm going to find out about the Cabot Institute. On its website they claim they carry out fundamental and responsive research on risks and uncertainty in a changing environment which all sounds very confusing. So I'm here in the chemistry building to meet Richard Pankost, director, to find out more. So hello Richard, um, this is Richard Pankost of the Cabot Institute, the director of the Cabot Institute, and we're here in the beautiful chemistry building overlooking an incredible Bristol sunset. I'm very jealous of this view you've got here, Richard. Oh, thanks very much. N nice to meet you, Hamish. Um, so I'm here basically to find out what the Cabot Institute does, and I saw you guys at the Smallest Festival of the summer in Bristol, mm. And there were some fantastic debates about climate change, about energy, about sustainability, about development, how we can best contribute towards development. And I don't think many people know what you actually do. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you exist, essentially? Yeah, right. Well, the university has two of these institutes. It has the Cabot Institute, which is broadly concerned with environmental issues and sustainability issues. And it has the Elizabeth Blackwell Health Institute. There's only two, and both institutes are charged with dealing with the major grand challenges that face society. Um, I always think that that's a, a fantastic way for the university to try to um, construct its identity around. Um, we're constructing our identity around the obligation of the university to solve major challenges that we as society face. And I think that's exciting to us from a research perspective, but it's something that we want to increasingly share with our undergraduate population and embed in our teaching philosophy. Um, so the Cabot Institute in particular is, is very, very broad. When I say that we're an environmental institute, it, what I mean is that we conduct research on everything in the area around how people live on and interact with our planet. So that does include topics like climate change, biodiversity loss and, loss and all those uh, environmental change issues, but it includes food security, water security, energy security. It includes all of the issues about how we live on the planet. So that includes future cities and what are those cities like and how do they impact on our food, water, and energy needs. It includes natural hazards, the hazards and risks that we're exposed to and how our lifestyle exposes to them. But it also includes all of the hazards that we're imposing on ourselves by changing the climate. So it's a very, very wide range around all of these types of issues and, and engineering is really at the core of many of those conversations. Fantastic. Would you say you're more academically based and you do research and produce papers which mm. then sort of inform the wider academic community or do you directly advise on policy with governments and councils mm. or how do you how do you take the amazing research that you do and try and make a difference in the world? Yeah, that, that that's an excellent question and, and that really is right at our um, at the core of our remit because you look around the university and there are many amazing academics and they are doing amazing research. So we, we largely view it the role of the uh, of these institutes are not simply to um, replicate that we're going to carry on doing it anyway but rather to add value to that and we do that with with three main goals in mind one is we must have more impact that's how you address some of these major challenges we to do that we have to work in a multidisciplinary manner and we also need to come up with new innovative ideas we can't just sort of furrow the same path again and again and again and it's those three things that all come together. We want to work in big multidisciplinary partnerships. We want to come up with new ideas, and those and those ideas have to have impact. So there is a little bit of trying to 
you know, think about how we do our research in a, in a different type of context, but it's really about doing research in a way that's going to have impact. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I mean, lots of people in engineers at Borders Bristol are really interested in this sort of multidisciplinary approach to mm. solving a problem. So some of our projects involve mapping and GIS to inform engineering mm. projects that say, right. help to improve water access mm. in somewhere like India. And I imagine a lot of engineers would be keen to engage in more of what you do. That's right. So how can engineering sort of input into your work or how does your work help to inform engineering and that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, so, so engineers are very good at working across those disciplines and, and some of the main um, academics in engineering who are strongly involved in Cabot Institute would be um, certainly the, the civil engineers, especially those who are uh, concerned with flood risk or, or access to water mm -hmm. or um, earthquake risk and other types of hazards, but also people who are thinking about future cities and how you design them, and certainly people concerned with new um, uh, the new energy economy that we're approaching. And we're not just talking about nuclear energy or, or, or wind farms, but we're actually talking about the entire grid which will enable those. Mm -hmm. So many engineers are involved where I think Cabot provides the added value to those communities is that um, you were talking about the example you, you said before. It's, um, you can think about using GIS and mapping. You can think about actually understanding um, water dynamics and water issues. You can think about the infrastructure associated with all of that. But the one thing you, you, you alluded to but you didn't talk about a lot was the people. And we can come up with fantastic solutions. I'm, I'm a scientist. I'm a geochemist. I can come up with fantastic solutions. We can engineer great solutions to those. But actually, you need to have the human component. The people have to embrace those solutions, and they have to, and, and, and their perspectives must be factored in. So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring in the social scientists, we're trying to bring in scientists, and we are bringing in engineers all to work together. And, and that's the, um, um, the real ambition of the Institute is that by getting all of these people working together, and I should mention one other thing. I've just mentioned a bunch of academics. The key is to work with external partners as well international development organizations, NGOs, but also the Environment Agency and the Met Office. You get this cocktail of people with different perspectives working together, and then you come up with the new solutions to these difficult problems. That's really interesting. Certainly in all our projects, a social element is such an important part. Yes. It's become even more important in recent years. Mm. We now try and produce guidance of how you, how can you engage with the community to get them to right. uh, buy into solution or help to create their own solution. And certainly just a sort of solid engineering intervention isn't the way yeah. forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you know, uh, we learned this a hard way in the Faculty of Science. We have vol volcano experts, and, and they were very keen to help. So they would tell communities where to live. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not really the right way to do it. They got, a, you know, they got more sophisticated, and they started to engage with people on the ground. Mm. But even then, they got resistance. And what they weren't understanding was the political dimensions in the places they were interacting with, which in many communities that they were trying to help, not only did they not trust the academics in the University of Bristol, but they didn't trust their local police force or their local government authorities. So actually, mm -hmm. this idea that you were just articulating, working with people so they come up with their own solutions is really, really the way to go. They, they have to have ownership of the solutions. Um, and I really think that um, engineers in particular have, have led in that, you, you, especially um, engineers without borders, and that there's always a sense of that you you must work with these communities you're trying to help rather than just coming in with your with your solutions from from our perspectives and i think that's a really good ethos to have thank you it's so interesting to hear the way you engage with these problems and i think there will be scope for much more collaboration mm. in the future and one final question more from a personal note i think mm. a lot of what you do is related to climate change yes. and even global change in the biggest sense yeah and there's always a conversation of how is the best way to engage people mm. with the solutions to these problems and 
help people to realise that maybe there's another way of doing things that will benefit future generations into right. perpetuity. What do you think uh, the sort of single most effective way of engaging people with these uh, large problems is? Uh, that's a really good question. That's a, that's a bit of an unfair question. I've spent 20 years of my life trying to do that. And Indeed, yeah. I, I, I would say that there's... Um, people accept the basic facts. They accept that climate change is happening. They accept that um, it's caused by us. And they accept that even if they may not necessarily agree that it is bad, they agree that it is risky. And I think you know engineers in particular understand that risk is something to be avoided. Um, but it's not top of their priority list. You know, you, you can do the polls and you find out the majority of people are concerned about it. That's a little bit different than saying that they're going to vote on it or, or they're going to make their political choices on the basis of that as opposed to crime or immigration or other types of things. So what our challenge is, is not to convince people of the facts, but to raise up their list of priorities. And, and we have to make it real. And one of the things I think we have to do is we have to widen the conversation. It can't just be scientists versus climate deniers. It can't just be you know, environmental hippies versus economics. It's far more sophisticated than that. We need to get insurance companies into the conversation. We need to get military people into the conversation. We need to bring religious leaders into the conversation. We need to widen it because all of those people are also concerned about risk and uncertainty and would like to avoid it. That, that then makes it more real to people. And I think we need to get people who are on the front end of climate change, the people who are living at that sharp edge, we need to hear their voices because we need to make it real. Definitely. It seems like communication is the key here, getting people to talk to each mm. other and really engage with the issue, whether they're scientists or philosophers or engineers or anyone. Yeah. And well, thank you very much, Richard. That's it for today's podcast and hopefully speak to you again soon. Yeah, thank you very much. And, um, and although we are a research organization, we're increasingly trying to engage with the undergraduate population and certainly we'd like to work more with engineers without borders. Thanks for listening to our first ever EWB Bristol podcast. Next time, our president, Connor, is going to find out more about the branch partnerships here at EWB, including how we map access to water in India and helping out with an ecological restoration project. Until next time, I've been Hamish. Goodbye.